Episode 835. Packers fans once again filled up Lambeau Field for a practice. Helping us take a look back at family night is Matt Matanich of Pack to the Future and Acme Packing Company. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about Packers Family Night. To do that, we're joined by a guest on today's show. We interviewed Matt Matanich of Pack to the Future and Acme Packing Company as we take a look back at what transpired this past Saturday night. Enjoy the interview. Baltar, find me another expert. One that likes me this time, okay? Right now on Railbird Central, we're talking to Matt Matanich of Acme Packing Company and Pack to the Future. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. We're glad to have you on the show. And Matt, we'll, we'll start off by letting our audience get to know you a little more. Um, I know you contribute to both the uh, aforementioned Pack to the Future and Acme Packing Company. Can you tell us about your roles at those respective places? Uh, well, uh, first of all, with Acme Packing Company, I'm, uh, I got to air quotes this. I am a hot takes air quotes expert. <laughs> I, and that uh, means what? I am an aggregate for hot takes, and then I rate them on a sliding scale from one to five using different ways. And most of the time, I'm I'm humorous about it, but every once in a while, something really gets to me. Like uh, I think someone insulted the entire roster except for Aaron Rodgers, and I went on like a seven minute rant about how they're really good players on the team. <laughs> uh, but most of my stuff in in tends to be humor related. I once wrote a letter home in the style of i don't know if you've ever seen those general andrew luck letters it's like a civil war type of thing yes i did a civil war letter home as if general aaron Rodgers was on his way to atlanta and photoshopped a picture of aaron Rodgers on top of general sherman's face (laughs) and uh, for pack to the future um it's a little bit more serious i i do a series of videos called matub's musings where i look at the uh, opponent for the week and talk about how I think the matchup works. And it's just kind of a casual, like my two cents. And I would say maybe I'm right half the time. <laughs> That's about all I'm right. So, I mean, uh, you're doing good by my standards. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, it's good to know that, you know, a lot of our guests on the show are, are the hardcore analysis, and it's good to get somebody with a, a little lighthearted take on as well. Good to know you're out there. Um, but we do have some Packers talk to get to tonight with family night taking place Saturday night. And, Matt, Richard Rogers had maybe the play of the day, catching a deep touchdown pass down the seam uh, uh, for a touchdown. Did, did that surprise you to see that out of Rogers, considering – you know, he's kind of been the forgotten man with the additions of Martellus Bennett and Lance Kendricks this past offseason. Well, I'll tell you this much. Um, 
I'm on the fence as it's it was surprising one way and was not surprising in the other. Usually the terms Richard Rogers and Seam don't go together at all. He's honestly his straight line speed is probably that of a school bus and he turns <laughs> just like one as well. But he does have, I would argue, some of the best hands on the team. And so it was it was surprising to see him uh just bust right down the seam and catch that pass right out in front of him. But I'm I've always been the the uh, Richard Rogers truther, and that yes, he has great hands, and he had the miracle in Motown. But I've always kind of thought that that he was a hindrance if you if you saw him in an eleven personnel. And now with with Bennett and Kendricks both being better athletes, uh, I really like to see what they open up. But I think Richard Rogers will always be that possession tight end. Like you can always count on him to to run a curl and catch it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if he can provide that for the Green Bay Packers, as long as the other two guys for hel- are healthy, I would be happy with that. And if he can pull another seam touchdown out of his, you know what, like he did on Saturday night, that's good too. Uh, but how about the guy throwing Richard Rodgers the ball, Brett Hundley? Uh, I think there's been a lot of attention on him this training camp, knowing the Packers could, you know, eventually trade him at some point. Yeah, I think. Hunley, uh, the plan with him always was trade bait because when you have a team led by Aaron Rodgers, if your backup is in, you know you're in trouble and because you, you're you're always going to take a step down no matter what. And Hunley, uh, he definitely showed a lot of flashes. In his rookie year, he had the highest uh, preseason passer rating and the person in second place was actually Marcus Mariota. And I always thought that we could see some great stuff out of Hunley we just had to give him the chance. If we brought out the Matt Flynn victory cigar that we did in the past, Brett Hundley, I think we could really see what he could do and definitely up his trade value. I do think that that is something that we might see this, this season because once you're at the end of a contract, you're not worth the trade anymore. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm going to cross my fingers that the Packers could get home field advantage and Brett Hundley can start week 17 to increase his trade value. When, when you put it in that perspective, I, I like that. Uh, but speaking well, it's, of... Co- it's against Detroit this year, right? Is it? I, I forget yeah, the schedule off the top week of my head. Perfect. Week 17 Perfect Detroit. symmetry. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right, Matt. Speaking of quarterback tight end combos, Aaron Rodgers and Martellus Bennett hooked up a couple times on Saturday night. How much confidence that did that give you that they, they seem to be in rhythm this early, or at least they did on Saturday? Well, what the pass that I really liked was just a simple uh, Martellus Bennett over the middle caught a quick throw from Rodgers, and that's what I love to see because Bennett has the athleticism to be able to house something like that. He might not always be on the seam. You know, if, if he's just running a crosser and he can do something with that, that's what I love to see. And Rodgers really, I think when he just does a three-step drop and just, just throws it as hard as he can, it's it's unstoppable. It's kind of why I love Devonte Adams. But uh, with Bennett doing that from the tight end position, like I said before, the eleven personnel is something I like to see, and I and I really like what I'm seeing out of the two connecting already. Rogers definitely showed that he already trusted Martellus the second that he walked in, and I can't wait to see that when the throws actually count and it's not just a practice. Yeah, he really stretched out for that one. That was an amazing play. Uh, really good to see early on the. Uh, 
this combination. But Matt, you know, one of the big stories coming out of family night, Mason Crosby, uh, he hit just five of 11 field goals. If you look at social media, I think some people think the sky is falling, but uh, you know, how does, does this worry you at all? Mm -hmm. So I, in the past have always been a quick, like cut so-and-so as soon as they have a bad moment. And I was definitely one of the loudest voices when Crosby struggled. And it was a 2012. I think so. Was... Yeah. And, and there's that great uh, picture of Greg Jennings on the sideline tickling him, trying to make him smile. <laughs> and after McCarthy stuck with Mason and he went on to play some of the best football of his career, I decided that that is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to put my faith in whoever McCarthy does up until family night. Crosby missed was a one field goal in all of training camp. I think so. And uh, they were talking about that. It was an issue with holding. And, and when you have a new holder as well as a new long snapper, that can really screw with your mojo as a kicker. So I'm just going to chalk it up to growing pains and cross my fingers and hope that that's going to sort itself out. Yeah. I, I'm personally not worried about Mason Crosby for one practice if I channel my inner Allen Iverson here, we're talking about practice. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I wouldn't get too worried about it. Matt, uh, what what did you think of Ty Montgomery now that he's had a full off season of working at the running back position under his belt? I last year loved what I saw out of Ty Montgomery. He has the vision that you look for in a running back. He said he was running purely based on instincts. He didn't exactly know what he was doing. And that showed at times, but it also showed that with a full off season, he could really turn that into something special. And I love what I've seen out of him, especially at Family Night. There was this this great rep actually by Mike Daniels and Dean Lowry that were in his lap the second that he got the handoff, and he managed to bounce it outside and outrun everybody, which is something that we've seen Starks attempt in the past but never really <laughs> succeed. And I love that out of Ty. That just the, the thing I wish I wish he could block better. We've seen throughout training camp that his blocking didn't take the huge step forward that we hoped for. Now, what that might mean for Jamal Williams to see more reps, as in Family Night, he showed that he can really take on a blitzer. I'm not really sure. I'm not going to make the call yet. I think it's a bit of a hot take to say that Jamal Williams is pushing him for the starter position. But I, if Ty doesn't improve, I think that's the way it would lean. Well, you're the king of hot takes, so I mean, yeah, I, I, and it's 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 I on on my scale, I would call that Clay Matthews with a water bottle. That's my three. I think it's a three <laughs> hot take to call Williams the starter now. But if if he shows more improvement and Ty doesn't, I mean, you never know. Protecting Aaron Rodgers is the number one important thing to do in the offense. Sounds good to me. Um, you alluded to before Dean Lowry, you know, he turned in one of the better performances of the evening. Do you think that's something he'll be able to sustain? Because, you know, he, he contributed in a small fashion last year. And I think people are hoping for a much bigger role this year. I think Lowry will definitely show He'll show up more on the stat sheet than he did last year, but I think he actually contributed more last year than people gave him credit for. Uh, his first sack came against the Texans, so it was it was a little later into the season, but a great game to watch Lowry on to really see what he can do is against the Seahawks. There's this great uh, <laughs> rep that he had where he stumbled and kind of fell into his knees and got up and still went after um, Russell Wilson, and, 
and actually forced Wilson to throw early, and he overthrew a streaking Jimmy Graham. And I, I think we're going to see more out of that because Mike Daniels demands double teams, and with Kenny Clark showing that he can be explosive at the point of attack, Lowry is going to start seeing some favorable matchups, and I think he is going to show up on the stat sheet this year at the very least. Your recall is amazing. Every every player I a- ask about, you you pick out like this one specific instance of uh, their brilliance. I like it. Um, I love I love gifs. I'm, <laughs> I'm addicted to them. And and basically, my Twitter feed during the season is just all these film gurus that I follow talking up players. And so then that way I can regurgitate it and sound smarter. You you mean gifs, right? <laughs> we won't go down that that road. <laughs> um, did, did, last question before we let you go, Matt. Did did you come away with any impressions of top draft pick Kevin King or, or anyone else in the secondary for that matter? Take this wherever you want. I think Kevin King has shown that he's worth his draft position. He has made a few what I would call rookie mistakes. There was a, a bubble screen to, I think it was Adams during family night, where uh, King was pretty far off, and he didn't really bite on the on the screen as fast as he should have, which allowed a, a big gain, which could be something that would be exploited during the season. But it's it's a rookie thing. He's shown that he has the athleticism to make up for mistakes like that. But for the secondary, I gotta give it up to Quentin Rollins, who definitely had a sophomore slump due to injury, and I, and I've been waving the flag of injury that that uh, Quentin and Randall both were playing injured and we saw enough out of them as a rookie that I would give them a pass. And I think Quentin Rollins actually seeing reps with the ones on the outside was probably the most surprising thing for me, but I'm not necessarily terrified of it. That's a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. To wrap it up, I, I have always been a huge fan of Ladarius Gunter. I think he outplayed being an undrafted free agent, but the smoke and mirrors are gone if he doesn't get a jam at the line, everyone knows that they can beat him in a foot race. And so he just can't cover the, the long ball anymore. Yeah, it's he's having a rough time. He he is what he is, to uh, use that expression. But, uh, Matt, th- thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to us today. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Uh, your Twitter, right? Call me Matub. Is that how you yep. say it? Yep, because that's my that's my catchphrase in, in all my videos. It's, hey, everybody, I'm Matt, but you can call me Matub. All right, very good. We'll send people there to give you a follow and check out your work at Acme Packing Company and Pack to the Future. Matt, once again, thanks so much for joining us. Take care, all right? Thank you for having me. And have- Thank you to Matt Matonich for being our guest on today's show today. And thanks to you, the listener, for joining us here at Railbird Central on a... Monday morning. Glad to have him join us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment and my commentary on it. Your Packers chips report. They're back for the 2017 season. And uh, we're not going to put a whole lot of stock into our chips report from family night but I, I just briefly i want to give my own impressions on what happened on the field uh my blue chips uh if i had to give them out one would go to dean lowry and you know i you know i already asked matt about a lot of these players who had both good and bad performances from family night so i don't want to just repeat 
what our guest already said, but if I could just provide brief commentary on it. Dean Lowry, that there were back-to-back plays at one point where, first of all, he drew a holding penalty, which was good to see, and then he also helped force that interception by pressuring quarterback Brett Hundley, which which is really good for a guy, like we've said before, has not seemingly you know, had a lot of experience as an interior rusher last year, more of that base end type of guy. So he's diversifying his skill set. He's becoming a bigger part of the Packers defense, a bigger contributor. And that's just really good to see. And he's, you know, even played ahead of Kenny Clark, kind of paired with, with Mike Daniels in that first string nickel defense. The Packers are more frequently in than any other defensive formation that they line up in. Um, so that's good. To, you know, whether that stays that way or not, we'll see. But, you know, Dean Lowry definitely made a statement on Saturday night to keep it that way. Your other blue chipper, I think, is Martellus Bennett. And yeah, he didn't score a touchdown or anything like that. But he just looks so comfortable out there already in what he provides to the Packers offense him and Aaron Rodgers hooked up a couple different occasions in that one grab by Martellus Bennett where it wasn't exactly on the mark. He had to go out and stretch for it, uh, but he, he grabbed it and, and he, you know right in stride and, and tried to get what he could a field before being, you know, quote unquote tackled. I know it wasn't live action on Saturday night where he's tackled to the ground, uh, but, you know, there, there were. He just, you know, looked comfortable out there, looked like he knew what he was doing, looked like he's pretty much already got the playbook under his belt. And, you know, of course, he's an NFL veteran from several offenses. And I think, you know, uh, all the experience he's gained has helped him, you know, kind of um, integrate into what the Packers are doing in a rather fast, you know, way in, in, in his own athletic ability which is very ample, certainly helps the matter. So those are your your blue chip performers, your red chippers, uh, the good but not great, perhaps. Um, one of them is going to Richard Rodgers, who we've said already maybe had the play of family night with the, the touchdown catch he, he had down the seam when he uh, appeared to beat safety Marwin Evans. Uh, I, I have to, I'd really like to find out what... Evans was thinking on the player. Was that totally his fault there? I'm not sure, uh, but R- Richard Rodgers was wide open, and he made a nice, you know, stretched-out catch there as well from Brett Hundley uh, that very likely would have scored a touchdown had it been, you know, live action. Um, and and then your other red-chip performance goes to Ty Montgomery, who the Packers were moving around at family night. He was motioning out of the backfield. He caught several passes in, in different ways, one of them being a screen pass, another in which he you know was motioned out and beat Blake Martinez for a nice gain, and you could see him doing that. And this, this isn't to just say Blake Martinez is slow. Uh, I think Matt, Ty Montgomery will do that to many uh, a linebacker in the NFL, and at least that's what we hope he's going to do. And, and he didn't look bad running the ball either. Maybe not, you know, nothing too great there uh, when he was getting handoffs, uh, apart from the time that uh, Matt Matanich had referenced where he kind of, you know, bounced it outside and, and beat some guys. And, and that's all good to see um, from Ty Montgomery. 
your couch hit performers, one of them going to Aaron Ripkowski uh, for the fumble he had in the two-minute drill section of the practice. Uh, and this is coming on the heels of the Packers' last you know, game that they've played, meaningful game in the playoffs against the Atlanta Falcons, where he, of course, fumbled uh, when the Packers were in the red zone. And Ripkowski's really got to, you know, eliminate that from this game because, you know, he's the type of guy who's not going to touch the ball a whole lot, you know, uh, on a game-by-game basis. You know, he's going to touch the ball less than five times a game um, unless there's injuries or something like that. Uh, and that la- last year there, w- there were many of those at the running back position for the Green Bay Packers. But, it, you know... They may rely on Ripkowski a little bit more early in the year, I think, as these rookies kind of, you know, feel their way through learning the offense and taking on bigger roles and until they're more comfortable. So from that sense, you know, Aaron Ripkowski may touch the ball a little bit more, I think, than usual in the beginning of the year, whereas maybe by the end they'll they'll have more trust in these rookies to give them the ball instead um, so it's it's so important that he not put the ball on the ground. The fumble was forced by Kenny Clark, which is a good play by Clark, but you know that it should just not happen for a guy as big and as strong as Aaron Rupkowski. He's got to take care of it. And, and then your other cow chip goes to Mason Crosby, and I think there were a lot of articles written in the aftermath of Family Night. Uh, so many people putting into perspective that the troubles the field goal unit have were due to the process, the the snap, the hold, the kick, uh, because, you know, working with Crosby are a pair of rookies, undrafted rookies at that, uh, the holder, Justin Vogel, the new long snapper, Derek Hart, and they're maybe not totally in sync yet. But you know what? Uh, let's Let's give... Mason Crosby can take a little bit of the burden here. He missed six field goals, and I'm sure not everyone was perfect to a tee in the way that they wanted, in that the the you know the ball arrived from the snapper exactly with the way they want it to, and maybe that the the place placement hold was not exactly perfect and off by an inch or two or something like that. But you know what? Just watching it. There was nothing egregious about any snap or any hold. Let's put Mason Crosby, I think, can 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 handle a little bit of the burden here in that he stunk Saturday night. Mason Crosby stunk, and, and that that's not to say he's going to stink for the rest of his season, that he stunk for his entire career, but he did not have a good day on Saturday night, and I put more of it on Mason Crosby than I do anybody else. You know, forget this blaming the rookies, blaming this this snap, you know, process. Um, There was at least a a knuckleball or two. There were some, you know, uh, uh, undue English on the ball on a couple of these, And, and I realize sometimes that, that is the case, and we've seen that out of Mason Crosby in the past where you get a little English and it hooks in between the uprights. But, it, you know, it's it's just he didn't do a very good job, and I'm not going to sit here and blame these other guys for, for, for Mason Crosby's shortcomings. 
like this. And, and, you know, I'm not worried at all in one practice. If this were to continue and continue for uh, a long stretch of time, then I'll be worried about Mason Crosby like we were in 2012. But one practice, and even if it, it lasts into the preseason away, you know, at some point he'll work himself out of this, and he's got a long time to do it before the regular season starts yet, several games to do so. So uh, cow chip for Mason Crosby. Um, in other Packers news that has really nothing except tangentially related to, to family night here. I'd be remiss if I didn't provide an update to the fallout from the Herb Waters injury, uh, in which, by the way, the cornerback has officially passed through waivers and has been placed on injured reserve for the time being. Whether or not it stays that way is another matter. The Packers could come to an injury settlement with Waters, but they don't have to. We'll just have to see what's in store there. But the signing of defensive lineman Elua Fanin was short was a short-lived one. <laughs> he was released already with a non-football injury designation and passed through waivers. Uh, what exactly that non-football injury is has never been you know, reported or published. But to my knowledge, he never even hit the practice field with the Packers. So to take his place on the roster, the Packers have signed tight end Emmanuel Bird, who previously has been signed as an undrafted free agent by the Kansas City Chiefs and had been released. So the Packers scooped him up. Bird played his college football at Marshall, where he was a teammate of fellow Packers, now wide receiver Michael Clark. In two years at Marshall, Bird caught 45 passes for 456 yards and four touchdowns. But at six foot two, he's probably considered more of an H back than a pure tight end, which is notable uh, how many players like that the Packers have in camp now. Of course, they signed Lance Kendricks as a free agent this offseason. Then they added rookie Aaron Peck, who caught a touchdown pass at family night. And now they added Emmanuel Bird, all of whom have roughly the same dimensions. So that's just interesting to see how many of this H-back type of player they have on the roster right now. Uh, and maybe that's part of the reason they're trying to get rid of carrying, perhaps, two fullbacks or more on the roster and maybe carry more of this H back instead. That's, that's kind of your hybrid fullback type tight end type of player. Uh, although I wouldn't rule out the Packers from carrying Joe carriage on the roster yet as a second fullback, it's all going to, you know, play itself out the rest of training camp. But, you know, part of the reason the Packers might've added bird is because now they've lost tight end Bo Sandlin to a knee injury. Although it doesn't appear to be so bad that they need to put him on injured reserve. But he was one of just a handful of players that didn't take part in family night at all. Uh, Mike McCarthy in a press conference actually expressed that they were relieved that it wasn't a more serious injury to Sandlin. Uh, so for right now, the tight end remains a non-participant until he gets healthy. And how long that'll be, we don't really know. But at least it's not season-ending. So there's a 
little bit of an update for you on the injury front and the you know uh, the roster moves that the Packers have had to made uh, because of injury. Uh, so there you go. The day ahead. All right. So looking in the future here, uh, looking on the horizon, Monday begins the first of the afternoon practices during training camp. Monday's session begins at 12.15 p.m. local time at Radnitschke Field as preparations begin for the preseason opener on Thursday against the Philadelphia Eagles. So for the first time this training camp, you'll see the team practicing for their upcoming opponent with the scout team running Philadelphia's plays and getting the team ready for what they'll face in a game environment. And it's a relatively short time time span to do it. Uh, they only have two public practices on Monday and Tuesday before having a closed-door session on Wednesday. Today's practice, however, will be preceded by a Mike McCarthy press conference streamed live on Packers.com at 10.45 a.m. Central Time. Then after practice, there will be more press conferences with the coordinators and the offensive assistant coaches. Once again, streamed live, this time at 4.50 p.m. Central Time. So training camp rambles on this week and pre as preseason action is about to begin. So there you go. That's what's happening on the horizon uh, with the Green Bay Packers over the next couple days. So there you go, getting you ready for what is to come, and that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. Thank you to Matt Matonich for being our guest on today's show. Um, Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's uh, the live edition podcasted and on demand later in the day. Already have our next guest lined up on Wednesday. We will talk to Katie Bain, who recently wrote an article on the Green Bay Packers for Vice Sports. So that was really cool and fun to read, and we'll tell you more all about that on Wednesday's episode. So looking forward to that. Uh, We'll see you, folks, just two days from now. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Caribou. I leave you today with a song called Rosie by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go Pack Go.